The Drifters may be one of the most aptly named groups in music history. The group began in 1953, and thanks to numerous changes in the lineup, over 60 people can claim to have been a part of this successful R&B venture. While most people will recognize this group for their chart-topping singles such as Money Honey, Honey Love, There Goes My Baby, and Save the Last Dance for Me, we'll be talking about a slightly less successful tune today. Husband and wife duo Jerry Goffin and Carol King wrote the lyrics and music for a piece King suggested be called My Secret Place. The lyrics, which Goffin considers to be some of the best he ever wrote, were inspired by New York City and the musical West Side Story. Goffin found the rooftop scenes in West Side Story to be particularly interesting and centered the song on this. The song was given to the Drifters who recorded and released the first version. Rolling Stone magazine calls this song the 114th greatest song of all time and one of 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. That's right, this week on Cover Me, we're talking Up on the Roof, written by Jerry Goffin and Carole King and performed by the Drifters. When this old world starts getting me down And people are just too much for me to face That's right. It's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions and compares them against one another to find out which one is putting on a show for free. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my starry-eyed co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. What's going on, my man? Just talking a little smooth. Can, is it picking up? I. It's Yeah, the smoothness the is picking smoothness. up. The smoothness. I don't think I can keep it up. But here yeah, we are. That'd be a little exhausting, but here you are. Yeah. Um, Alex, the Drifters, up on the roof. Up on the roof. My first question to you, you ever been up on a roof? Have I ever been up on a roof? Not really. Yeah. It's kind no. of like I've been on roofs, but like, like mm-hmm. this means like a, a roof of like an apartment building or something like that. Not, I've, not, I've not done that. No, you never had just like a, a quiet solitude moment on a roof? No, it's kind of romantic. Like as someone who hasn't really grown up around tall buildings, like always been mm-hmm. out in the suburbs kind of, that's never really been an option, but it's always been like in, like seen it in, in movies and stuff. So it's kind of yeah. cool when they go up on the roof and are just like outside, but above all the buildings. Yeah, it is a real it's classic a little, moment. It's a little dangerous, but it's kind of isolated and... It's also probably just kind of an easy set to make in a sitcom. Um, oh yeah, but yeah, it's kind of it's, it's kind of the interesting. top of a building. Yeah, it's just like get some brick things and like a vent and a door. You're set. Mm-hmm. You don't even need a door, really. No, yeah, I've never been on like just like an apartment building roof. I've been in on, on like rooftop patios, like at bars downtown Calgary, and I've been on a roof in the suburbs. Both one to to paint a, uh like walls there when I worked for Kalen for a day. Shout out Kalen. Shout out his time as a painter. Um, and also on my parents' roof to smoke weed in the middle of the night. Yes, I think I remember that story. You went through a window, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I several times. It, it was you know a recurring theme. Yeah, I mean like I I went on my roof. Uh, you know, living with my parents, mm-hmm. a couple times. You could what kind of shit were you doing on that roof? Which, uh, I don't even remember. We're just fucking around. I think my dad would be like cleaning out the gutters, and I was like, "Can I go on the roof?" Yeah. <laughs> he was like, "Be careful." We could also um, climb up our own fence onto our garage roof, so I spent some time there. It was good for water gun fights. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have none of these rooftop experiences described in the song whatsoever. No, you never got away from the 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 hustling crowd. No, there was no hustling crowd. It was just like it was just a city, like a street sub suburbia. Zip 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 zip. Um, yeah, Alex, moving from that to the Drifters. What's to your experience drifters. with them? Not much, although this song. Hmm. We have a bit of a history with this song. Yeah. Um. Would you like to? Do you like to? Yeah, I, I guess that? I'll start that. Yeah. So in I'm gonna say like the mid 2000s, probably my my sister mid Ruby late. found a CD just like on the road, like a mix CD, simply entitled Dave Number Five, <laughs> and she like took it home with her for whatever reason to see if she could play anything on it. And this was one of the tracks on there. And then she later uh, passed this song on to me. I don't remember how, I don't know if she gave me the mix CD and was like, yeah, check out this song. Or she just like sent me an MP3, but yeah, she, she delivered this song onto me and I was like, Oh, this is a jam. And then I, I, I presumably told you about it at some time. Yeah, you did. Uh, I just remember for some reason you played it and you were like, listen to this song. It was just on a CD. Um, yeah. And I didn't even know what it was called at the time or who it was by, like, cause it was just on some random CD. And then years mm-hmm. later, for some reason, my brother, I believe he got into, he was getting into game of Thrones and mm-hmm. one of the characters, the guy who plays Braun, Jerome Flynn, him and another guy, uh, Robson green had a group called Robson and Jerome, and they covered this song. So he, like, was listening to them and played this song, and I was like, this is familiar. I know this song. And then that's how I learned what song it was and then looked up the history. Yeah. So for some reason, we have, like... we're not going to talk about today. A weird, yeah, we're not talking about that version today. Uh, for some reason, we have, like, a weirdly complex history with this song. <laughs> yeah, which is a very, like, simple, just kind of catchy, poppy tongue. Tong. Yes, poppy, poppy song. Tongue. Poppy tongue. And yeah, we have, for some reason, like a an urban legend history around it. Yeah, it's bizarre. What It's kind of like, that's almost kind of the vibe of the song, because you go to this like secret place in the middle of the city where no one can see you, and then yeah, play your and it, CD. But ultimately, that secret place is not that secret. True, because there's room for everybody, or at least two. At least people. two. Um... Yeah. But yeah, like he doesn't even own the rooftop. And since we're talking about the lyrics so much, we might as well move right into it. Yeah, let's talk about the lyrics. It's really just uh, so, a song about, I mean, a guy's talking about how he likes to go into the roof. And he's like, maybe you would like to join me. Eyebrow raise. Yeah. Romance. Eyebrow raise. The first two lines of the song are literally up on the roof. Up on the roof. Which tells you everything you need to know about the song. Because that's where you're going. Mm-hmm. And so we get to the verse, When this old world starts getting me down, and people are just too much for me to face, I climb way up to the top of the stairs, and all my cares just drift right into space. Yeah, it's just kind of, a, a like, cheery. The way he sings it, too, is just kind of, like, upbeat. Like, he's smiling the whole time, you know? I don't know. Place to Damn. go where you feel good about yourself. Exactly. He's like, you know, when shit's bad in my life here's what i like to do let's climb stairs 
And I mean, there is some some foreshadowing. Obviously, they've set up on the roof, but it's like the backup singers up to this point. So you're mm-hmm. kind of like, what's what's up on the roof? What is up on the roof? And it turns out, on the roof, it's peaceful as can be. And there, the world below can't bother me. Let me, Let tell, me tell you, you now. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this defies analysis because it, it just like is. It's like pretty literal. <laughs> Yeah, uh, on the roof, it's peaceful as can be. The, the The roof is a place of calm for him. Um, and there the world below can't bother me. There's a physical distancing that also applies a mental distance. It's very important to have physical distancing. Yeah. Especially nowadays. And then, yeah, first two, when I come home feeling tired and beat, I go up where the air is fresh and sweet, up on the roof. I get away from the hustling crowds and all that rat-raised noise down in the streets. Up on the roof. We talk about this a lot with songs from this era. At least it came up with, uh, like, What a Wonderful World, Sam Cooke. Um, where, like, songs of this era are, like, one idea and they just beat you over the fucking head with it. Right. This one's a little more... I don't know. I just feel like referencing um, "Wonderful, What a Wonderful World." Um, mm-hmm. Some of the lines in that song seemed a little like repetitive. Where this, I don't know. Like lyrically speaking, it's kind of like he is kind of saying the same thing, but it's still interesting because it's like like rhyme. It rhymes, <laughs> I think. Or yeah. Something. Like, like it is, uh, it's not just like, I like the roof. I like that it's tall. I yeah. like that it's not on the ground. Yeah, whereas in What a Wonderful like World, what a wonderful is, world like, is, yeah. Like, hey, don't know much about, about this a, subject. Or don't this know much subject, about B. Or this subject. <laughs> or is this, like, he kind of approaches it like there's three verses, really. Mm hmm. Um, I don't agree with what what genius says about verse three i think it doesn't start till later um but um like first he said like if he feels down then like it's a place to go to de-stress obviously that's kind of the theme one if and then like if he's just getting like getting away from the crowd like being alone i'm not doing a very good job of differentiating these right here (laughs) they feel different one uh, he says, when this old world starts getting me down, that's sort of just a general, like, malaise or, like, a feeling of sadness. Yeah. It's just, you know, when, like, in general, when things fucking suck and I don't want to talk to people, like, I just want to be alone, I go to the fucking roof. The second one, which he, I, he says, you know, he's talking about, like, a work day, essentially. When I come home feeling tired and beat, you know, after a long day. Right, and you want to get away from hustling crowds. And get away from other people, voice. just be alone. Mm-hmm. Which is like that is a, a similar thread between the twos, but this one seems to say that it's not just a like a cure for general like depression. It's also like if your like your job's got you down, you know, you're tired even. Like that's a physical feeling. Tired and beat. Um, get some fresh air, go up on the roof. There's no people there and there's no noise. Right. And then in the third verse have we got we haven't got to the third verse yet. Not yet. Should we? Uh, let's let's, yeah, let's talk about verse. it. Right smack dab in the middle of town. I found a paradise that's trouble proof. I never knew those lyrics. Trouble proof. Um, mm. uh, and if this world starts getting you down, there's room enough for two up on the roof. Um, so now it starts to talk about like this idea that I kind of. Did I mention it before? I was thinking it. Um, 
that like you're surrounded by still the city like you're not like it's kind of that feeling of of being isolated but being in the middle of something like the eye of the storm kind of idea mm-hmm. which is its own sort of feeling i think yeah even some similarities to uh you get what you give with the the miracle mile at 4 a.m yeah absolutely where you're sort of in this place you're like kind of not supposed to be like it's yeah, almost like... a little bit a little bit uh like rebellious but mm-hmm. it's mostly just like isolated and yeah like alone yeah. in public exactly it's still like a public yeah. space but you are yeah isolated yeah and with the it says verse three and in, in genius but i really think it's a repeat of the i'm calling it a chorus even though the lyrics are different every time <laughs> or it's almost mm-hmm. like verse a verse b um I don't really know. It's like A section, B section, but the lyrics are different every time because it's like the right, melody. It's almost like a bridge between verses because it's not a chorus and it's, I would argue, like you're saying, not part of the yeah. verse. It's almost just like, but anyway, at night the stars put on a show for free. Darling, you can share it all with me. Which, of course, is the kind of first indication of the like romance part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, it kind of sounds like a conversation, but that's really how songs would be anyway. Um, so, and of course, drawing this image of like it's nighttime and it's peaceful, and you can see the stars, which is difficult oftentimes in the city. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because it's in the past, or like he's high up enough to be away from light pollution. Does that make sense? I don't think that happens. Yeah, does it? Yeah, because I think that the because the, the light pollution goes up, right? I don't know if being higher would necessarily help. Yeah. Anyway, Maybe he can see the stars, which is great, because you can't do that in the city very easily. Mm-hmm. Not these days, anyway. And Maybe again, we, have, so we kind of establish in verse two, like he's a he's a guy with a job, working class, right? Right. So a show for free, fuck yeah, hmm. like something you don't have to pay money for. Again, like you're looking for entertainment, right? No, go money. to the roof. Don't need money because money doesn't buy happiness or something. Is that the moral of the story? Money can't buy me love, Alex. Oh. Hmm. But no money can buy you love? That's right. Of course. (laughs) Um, Another thing worth noting about the roof, it's the only place I know where you just have to wish to make it so. Ah, Let's go up on the roof. Oh, did we miss that part? We did miss that. Oh no! It's like we're I was not loop back to it. Yeah, we meant and to do I have. that. Um, it's also magical because it can grant wishes. That's the thing. It, it yeah, it's magical. And somehow it grants wishes. That doesn't make so much sense to me. But wait, well, I I would say it's probably just all uh, kind of tied into the. When I when I said cheekily, money can't buy you happiness. Uh, the song doesn't say that explicitly, but kind of has the implication of the idea of like of that of everything you need is like p- just peace in the world and like people you love around you. So right. there's kind of that attitude to the song. Right. So like any desire that you really have can be satisfied by something as simple as going yeah. up on this rooftop. So it can't like get you a drink but like you won't want like you won't need anything because all you need is it's it's soul food mm-hmm. 
man. It's chicken soup for the chicken for soup the soul. for the for the R and B singer's soul. Exactly, and of course we're talking again about an urban environment, and to put a magical quality on this very mundane thing, a rooftop, and also very man-made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is uh, that's just good. That's just good poetry, baby. It's fucking yeah, poetry. This is poetry. Um, other than that, a lot of like internal rhyme here mm-hmm. and there. Yeah, there's. A, I have a quote from the the Rolling Stone Illustrated History of Rock and Roll in 1980 described up on the roof as quote in every way a remarkable pop song for 1962 and in particular said um from the internal rhyme of stairs and cares to the image of ascending from the street to the stars by way of an apartment staircase it's first rate sophisticated writing yeah it feels well written but it's kind of like about mundane things Mm -hmm. at the same time i i like that quote because it says it's remarkable but like I have no frame of reference there, as I'm sure you don't either. Like, what was pop music like in 1962? I don't know very well. Well, it was this. It was uh, Sam Cooke's What a Wonderful World. And uh, that's pretty much it. Something by the Beatles? Uh, Not 62. Not 62? They were until like mid-60s? Yeah, it was like 63 or 64. Okay, well, you know, in the underground. Because, like, if you watch Dirty Dancing, she says before the Beatles, and I think it's 63. Three. Mm. So like, or sixty. Oh, and Bossa Nova. Okay, so then all the songs from Dirty Dancing were also on the radio in 1962. Yeah, like th- half the songs from Dirty Dancing. <laughs> 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 because the other half are just like weird 80s synth pop that they're like bust out of nowhere, and you're like, this doesn't sound like a... <laughs> something's different. <laughs> something's off here. I mean, I am having the time of my life, but I don't know. Not quite it's a sure good movie. All too, though. I I keep meaning to watch it. I haven't found the time. I just watched Mute by uh, Duncan Jones. Have you seen that one? 2018? No, I haven't. Do I even know that movie? It's like a cyberpunk uh, movie. Uh, this this mute Amish bartender's girlfriend gets uh, kidnapped, and he's like, where's my wife? With Paul The Rudd. whole time, and then shit happens. Interesting thing about it, from my perspective, though, was because Duncan Jones is Duncan Jones, oh. he can just fucking pull David Bowie songs whenever he fucking feels like it. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I remember and, this coming out, actually. Yeah, and so he, interestingly enough, uses, just like as background music, um, Moss Garden from Heroes. Okay. All right. It's ambient. Yeah. Huh. Cool. That was my big takeaway from it. It was fun. It was good. Like, it's yeah. two hours long. Friendly. If you like that kind of, like, environment, I think, you know, like that genre setting, he'll like it, I think. It's kind of cyberpunky. Yeah. Neon. Oh, super duper cyber. It's it's like a, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's, Blade Runner-y, but. Apparently it's called less... Moon 2 some places. Oh, because uh, it does feature uh, Sam Rockwell in it on a TV screen in one scene, which kind of connects them as being in the same universe. It's just, but like. Indir- like not direct story sequel. yeah yes i remember that coming out on netflix um huh. have anyway. we hit all the lyrics here we talked I about think we have three. and then we started talking about mute instead yeah and we talked about how there's room enough for two up on the roof yeah i mean the other thing i would mention like i said before there's kind of two sections there's the like which you might call an a and then uh which you might call a B. I don't know. So it's kind of like alternating between those two with one part that's instrumental 
uh, between two B parts that plays the A part, but instrumentally. Mm. Um, So it just kind of alternates between those sections with one of the verses, which is the A part being instrumental. Right. Yeah. Um, Here's what I also have to say. We forgot to mention in the outro, he says, oh, come on, baby. And oh, come on, honey. And everything is all right. Everything is all right. That's nice. Yeah. Just, you know, just just outro ad-libbing, baby. Yeah, but it's kind of interesting. Like, throughout the song, there aren't, like, there's repeated melodies, but there's not repeated sections, really. Like, maybe a couple lines. Um, Mm -hmm. But it does, like, keep going throughout, but still kind of has that structure of a pop song. Yeah. And yeah, and then there's like subtle romance in this song without it being like out of place like it is in You Get What You Give and without right. being front and center. They don't just throw in one line. It's more like, is he like trying to sell the roof? Like, you gotta go, yeah, you gotta like, see the roof. Come on up with me. Like, there's room for come two. On, baby. I don't just said it's my own personal paradise, but you know, come fucking hang out. We, got, we can bust out another chair. All right. Hell yeah. Let's talk about instruments on this, Alex, and what they're fucking doing here. Yeah, what are they doing? They're making noise, baby. Um, it's not, So it's. I looked at the, uh, the I want to say rap sheet. What do you call it? <laughs> like the credits? Yeah. The personnel yeah. for this. And uh, I, I thought there was going to be like a xylophone or something on this. Well, I think there is. Or a marimba, not, maybe? Not listed. Not no, but, listed, the, but percussion is listed, and percussion would cover Right. That. Okay, because that's that doom. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's like bum, the, bum, the bum, like, bum, bum. kind of melodic through, like, riff of this song. Yeah, that is the It plays through the most of, of this it. song. Um, behind everything. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Worth noting, Carol King, along with Ernie Hayes, apparently does piano on this. And she was one of the writers, as we mentioned. Yes. Um, and she's also just like a famous artist herself with a bunch of awards mm-hmm. and stuff. Famous singer-songwriter. You should know all about this, well, Alex. This well, all pretty I, much falls I, I'm under... Sa- I'm saving it for later. You're sa- you're sa- okay, okay. We won't talk about Brill Building Pop just yet. <laughs> um, But we will talk about other things that happen in this song. There's a lot... Of inst- like credited on this track. Let's see, we got four people on vocals, plus three on guitar, two on piano, one guy on double drums, one guy on I'm sorry, not one guy on double bass, double bass, one guy on drums, two guys on percussions, which are not drums, and then we got four guys doing trumpets and trombones. This song does not sound like it has fucking that many people on it. No, it kind of has that like big band quality of like the bands all playing together, like. Doesn't like you just it's a it's brass basically you know, for in particular now guitar I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah, three guitars. Three guys. Yeah, guitars. You think it's three guys working one guitar? Maybe it's like that video back in where, 1960. The guitars were like you know the computers of the time, just fucking huge. Just take up a whole room. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that. Many people are involved. I'm surprised to hear that, but. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I believe that to be a uh, a strength of this song in its restraint 
of using all of these people to just do little tiny accents. Because like we kind of talked about, or fully talked about in our lyrical analysis, this is a, a personal moment in a large space. So, yeah. And like we'll talk about some cover versions that I think go way too heavy on the instrumentation. And they're like, this fucking roof kicks ass! And you're like, okay, calm down. Whereas this one's like, we're up on the roof. It's really nice to get away from stuff. Feels good. Yeah. And I think the instruments play into that, the, the concept of the song. Yeah, they like manage to keep it upbeat. Um, and I mean, pretty standard stuff in terms of like arrangement, like in terms of building. They keep that that xylophone thing going on and then like some strings come in later on and mm-hmm. and which uh, oddly enough are not credited in, no in strings eh? i mean there's definitely strings but yeah I, yeah it's very clearly um yeah unless that's a really weird way of playing trombone hmm. <laughs> like, very impressive and like just like take a bow to your trombone and it sounds exactly like a violin um what what they do with the violins it's in the the B section that I was calling a chorus before. Um, yeah. Like they, they come in and start to play like really long notes and then play a bit faster and then start doing that thing where they go like back and forth really fast, uh, which mm-hmm. according to the violin technique Wikipedia page is just called tremolo. tremolo. I believe that. Yeah. Um, and then like, just like a like a bit of like brass, like leads into the next section. Like it's not, really much of anything like there's brass there yeah but it's not like a big brass part yeah it kind of plays in the back just adds a little like depth to the lower end of the track yeah i guess that's why they don't have a full big band which is like 20 people yeah but they still have several like multiple trumpets and multiple trombones we call them bones in the business yeah call them bones call bones who was that guy (laughs) fucking Hmm? What the fuck was his name? Like Larry Bones McKenzie or oh, yeah, something? The Bones, Bones Malone! Bones Malone. <laughs> Doing his trombone covers? Yeah. Yeah. That dude kicks ass. Um, <laughs> Not the point, though. Yeah, so you've got the... It's like a real, like, just like subtle moves with all the things, except the strings which take over your your instrumental version of your A-verse. Yeah. As, as you've called it. I certainly have. Um... I guess the other notable thing in this song is the vocals, because they do a pretty good job of like following with the build and and keeping mm-hmm. it like upbeat, and it's it's a very positive sounding song, and he sings yeah. it well, like he does a good job of like putting that into the. Mm-hmm. Because he's talking about like it could be, and some people will take this song in sort of like a more sad direction, because you're trying to kind of escape from everything. Yeah, because this is an escapist song. You know, I go up to the roof to escape from the hustle and crowd yeah. from when I'm feeling like shit. But he really is, like, selling us the roof. Like, just everyone, like, just come on the roof. We'll do a Come roof on the roof. Like, if you listen something. to this song and you don't want to go sit or stand or hang out on a rooftop afterwards, I don't know. You don't have, like, a heart or something or you're yeah. deaf because I wish there was like, a roof a around sell. here. None of us have roofs. It's been raining. It's been terrible. Mm. <laughs> what, there's what no kind of roofs. Rain is it that it cut rid of your roofs they're all gone <laughs> fucking gone bro it's coronavirus man it's fucking everything it's, up it's it took my roof away up. and made it rain but not yeah, the good I'm making like, it rain the no wet there was no money no gotta pay for a new roof 
fuck this. Fucking COVID's gone too far. You can kill as many people as you want. Once you start coming for roofs, it's over. That's where I draw a personal line. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but well, actually, but. the nice thing is now that the roof's gone, the upper floor becomes like the roof, so you can just go up there easily. Um, Hell yeah. Positive. Silver lining. Silver lining. We got there. Um, The base does like... Uh, uh, you know, it's a stand-up base. Does kind of like a bum, a bum thing off the top, and then does kind of like a little walking groove. But that's not really the yeah. focus. Like you it's said, it's the it's the vocals, voice. and the backup vocals do a good job of kind of adding to the the lead singer's performance without distracting. Yeah, it's not like some of the later versions where they'll do some like trade-offs between like some people. Like there's a lead vocalist on this one and everyone else just kind of holds it down and sings up yeah and reminds you of what the song's about in case you forget during the first being up on the roof you're like oh shit oh oh okay this dude was talking about being sad but i know we're getting to the roof eventually all right yeah you can't you can't stay away from that topic for too long no people in the 60s would just forget what you're talking about exactly this song's two and a half minutes i I think we pretty much covered it alex unless you got done it to to death my friend to death bro um i we're gonna start talking about covers the version i'm suggesting we talk about first even though it wasn't released until 2012 is the jackson 5 version because it had to have been recorded back sometime in the 60s i i I wasn't sure what the the year was exactly i couldn't lay down a year on it but somewhere between 1962 and whenever michael jackson hit puberty i guess yeah which who knows? Who knows? Some people say never. Some people never do say never, which I think is an interesting conspiracy theory. But I'm not super into conspiracy theories all the time. No, it's more. Time. It's what more conspiracy convinc- theories. Are you? Into? It's more convincing than most. Um, that's, fair. that's not. I feel like I'm lying to cover up my own susceptibility to conspiracy theories. So let's not go okay. into it. I 100% believe that Kurt Cobain had an amulet that made him famous and that, what's his face, Dave Grohl Dave killed Grohl? him for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like, what other explanation is there? None. For why Dave Grohl's so fucking popular? None. <laughs> <laughs> Zero. Nothing. Nothing. Magic Jackson amulet. 5, 1960 something. Y'all know about who Jackson 5 is. You've heard of them. There's five of them. They are all last named Jackson. Michael's mm-hmm. there. Jermaine's there. Three other guys, too, also. Randy. Randy. <laughs> is Randy Jackson one of the Jackson 5? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 But, but maybe? No. No. It's Tito, Marlon, Michael, Jackie, and Jermaine. Jermaine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um so I think I think for the most part lead vocals were like Jermaine and Michael. Yeah. Um I think that's who alternate in this version, but I don't know their voices really. I know Michael Jackson sings. Yeah, you can because Michael Jackson's the one who sells the end of the B verse each time it comes up. Yeah. <laughs> 
because he, he goes hard. Like, yeah, we've discussed his singing before. Like, it's good. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, like very good. Like, and we've discussed sort of why you know the the nightmarish side of the Jackson Five, or at least tiptoed around it. Yeah. When when we talked about another version they did that kicked ass. This version, and I don't know if it's just because it doesn't have a lot of Michael Jackson on it. Not that great. Yeah, it's not it's not a strong like it's more like a, a kind of straightforward like kind of funky adaptation. You know, mm-hmm. um, like they they have like this clavinet doing a kind of like funky riff um yeah. that sort of replaces the the xylophone um there's some like guitar licks and like they get these like bass slides and stuff the bass is much more interesting in this version yeah a lot more upbeat doing a lot more moving around um they also got some like strings and stuff in similar ways as the original um but like overall not as strong, like, like Michael Jackson, probably the stronger part of this song. Mm-hmm. But it was a now, little, a little disappointing. Overall. Yeah, because what they do is, is the uh, the A verses are done by uh, the whole group, or at least most of the group. It's like a choir. Right. Right. And it's uh, it kind of undersells the the song as a whole. So when they get to the B part and you get Jermaine followed up by Michael Jackson, it's a good one-two punch. And you're like, oh, this is fucking good. But then you lose it immediately. They're there for like three lines total out of each <laughs> like right. seven-line A, B section. And then it just goes back into everyone being like, in this old world, stop getting me down. That's also the other thing, is they just kind of like funk up the... Um, like the timing of the the melody mm-hmm. so it's less straight now you know it's funky yeah it's funky they so they, funky. they kind of play with it and you know give it a little bit more staccato some energy make yeah. some things go really fast and then for the last about you know 30 ish seconds we get a like a whole ad-libbing section where the strings cut loose and it's up on the roof baby it's a roof and you're like yeah all right then it fades out. There was a Randy Jackson in the Jackson 5. Was it the Randy Jackson? No. <laughs> it's Stephen Randall Jackson. There's no way. If it was the Randall Jackson, there's no way this would be his Wikipedia picture. Okay. Because uh, yeah. it, it would. When you're a fucking studio yeah, musician yeah, who different. played bass for Journey, you get a much bigger page. Yep. Yeah. Nope. There's a, a link to his, his. Yeah. Different guy. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Yep. All different. Right. All right. Do you think everybody asked him if he's the other Randy Jackson? Like, are you in the Jackson 5? And he's like, nah, bro. Hmm. That's dog. He says dog a lot. He does say dog a lot. At least he used to. I don't know what Randy Jackson says these days. <laughs> not a lot. He's not on TV. Fair enough. Or we can't um, hear yeah, it anyway. So, uh, uh, like, the, this Jackson 5 version, I can understand why it wasn't released until 2012. So it's not remarkable. Yeah, because it's, it's like an out take kind of like they worked on it and they were like eh we don't like need this obviously the jackson 5 had enough success on their own um this one wasn't going to make the difference and the world went on without it and yeah. the world went on with it too too yeah it was there just nobody at least the, the majority of people didn't hear it yeah but no i i agree it, it ch- switching back and forth in that way kind of kind of kills the the energy a bit and because mm-hmm. it is a vocally driven piece at its core like yeah. even the original version 
it's focused on the vocals. Yeah, and this one even more so to a degree. Like the the instrumental section becomes like la 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 like mm-hmm. like they're singing it. But I don't know. But yeah, when it's if you're like I don't know, if you're like, hey, look at this piece of shit, like great. <laughs> Even if there's like flowers around it, but you're like, yeah, look at that. That's what the song's about. Like, uh, okay. Yeah. Alright. I don't like this. Uh the ending like kind of picks up a bit when it's mostly just ad libbing and everyone's yeah. like shouting about things and the bass gets to f- mess around even more. Uh um, Yeah, and those strings are hitting it high and kind of fast. Yeah. But it's not like it's not the best arrangement. It's not the best version. No, kind of falls flat. So that's why we're going to move from 1960-something to 1970, where we'll be talking about Carol King. When this old world starts getting me down And people are just too much for me to face Carol King. Um, Carol King wrote this song for the Drifters, or at least wrote the song and it was given to the Drifters. Um, mm-hmm. At the Brill Building, she was a That's songwriter right, on staff. Well, she wrote it with what's his name, Jerry. Jerry Goffin, Goffin. her husband um, of the time. I'm not sure that they stayed together. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, she apparently she has perfect pitch. So that's cool. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I seemed a fact that I have in my head, and I don't know the the truth of it. Is that um, like a lot, like a lot of Chinese, like native Chinese speakers have like perfect tone because the language is tonal. I have also heard that, just as an internet fact. Um, mm-hmm. I have no way to confirm it. Although I once said it to someone who was Chinese, and they were like, "That's dumb." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." They're <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. They, they they did not agree, but they were not basing that on anything other than their own experience, which was. Probably like emigrating from China when they were very young, and right. visiting family occasionally. Mainland China, I should specify. Okay. Because I believe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that makes a difference. I do believe. But that's a we're really just kind of like going off the walls of this episode, aren't we? Yeah, we often get off topic. Random <laughs> shit. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like like recently we've had a pretty good like. Sticking to business, but this time I feel like we're going all over the place. The Brill right, Building, focus. Alex, tell the me Brill about building. it. Brill Building, I don't know much about the Brill Building. It's one of your favorite genres of music. Not on purpose, I didn't know what it was called. <laughs> um, Yeah, this isn't the last time we'll talk about the Brill Building, but yeah, I guess it was a... I said she was a staff songwriter there, so I guess it was like, it was like a, a, a record company or a, a music? Well, it was an building? office building. It was like an office building, and it's just... That was where they had a bunch of music industry offices, and and they wrote the chill building. The chill building, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, come on out of the. I mean, we can. It still exists there. Like it's still there. Yeah, it's it's still there. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. Yeah, right. It's on 1619 Broadway, Manhattan, New York, Midtown. Wow, these like regions are so, so granular. This is like oh, yeah, this but... is Midtown, and this is the Diamond District. Like they're right beside each other. Yeah, and just by the Hell's Garment Kitchen, and, and there's Turtle Midtown, Bay. Midtown East, Tudor City, Koreatown. 
And we're living in Koreatown. Flatiron yeah, District. Know. Anyway, that's wild. So that's Man, New York. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking at a map now. All right. The Brill Building. We've uh, had <laughs> they made we've music enough there. about that. There's a CVS pharmacy there. <laughs> I'm wow, just looking at the Wikipedia page. Um, they, um, yeah, like wrote music there, like this kind of music. And it was sort of like mm-hmm. this well-produced, but almost kind of throwbacky, I guess, supposedly at the time, which is something, again, is hard for me to tell. Um, right. But it was just like well-produced, more we modern versions. Throwback of, yeah. music, throwback music. Yeah, but like it was throwback-ish at the time. Like it was kind of old-fashioned, mm-hmm. but a modern version of it. Um, and she wrote music there and later became kind of a pop artist. Yeah, she's a singer-songwriter. Singer-songwriter. Um, so this is a very tender version of this. Yeah, song. she really slowed it down. Um, oh, also, James Taylor's playing guitar in this version, I believe. That is correct. Um, and, uh, that's know, important because he's later. a famous person. One thing I wanted to ask you, Alex, mm-hmm. is why do you think so, so many musicians write a song, give it to somebody else, and then, like, regardless of how well that song performs, they always end up doing it themselves later. Um, I don't know, because it's their song. They might as well. Uh, especially, yeah, I mean, you might as well. In this case, I think when she wrote it, she was, like, she was a staff writer. Like, she didn't, she wasn't a performer, or at least wasn't a famous performer. So that when she actually got a music career, she was like, well, I might as well. Right. <laughs> Play the songs I wrote, like... It's considered to be a pretty good song too, so. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's way slowed down, and it's like piano and guitar focused, much more. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, one last question before yep. we really get into this song: If you made like a like a a movie, uh, where it's like it's fish making music, and there was uh, the Krill Building like an underwater, new- yeah, the Krill Building, yeah, that would, that would did I just play? steal your punchline? <laughs> <laughs> yes you did i mean you want to do that you want to try that again we can cut it out no that's perfect <laughs> uh, just uh, uh just putting that out there like a, yeah. like a finding nemo but we call it like finding finding uh, sugar man yep that sounds right <laughs> that sounds about right baleen um, um yes so there's yeah soft guitar. acoustic guitar piano piano there's like a real echoey quality to i think her voice on this it might be the instruments as well but not like your kind of pop echo more like an echo that comes from being like in, in a, a space in a small space like, yeah um there's also like it hasn't come up yet but there's a lot of like echoey guitars just in these versions generally i don't know mm-hmm. why um and this one I think it, it gives the idea of like thoughtfulness or like I guess so. Yeah. Kind of like you get a chance to reflect on the past immediately after it happens. Um which is about as far as you can go in a two in a three and a half two, three and a half minute song. Mm-hmm. Um the arrangement on this one, it's mostly that. Like it's mostly that kind of like solo singer songwriter thing. But then they yeah. throw in another guitar. And then they throw in hand drums. Yeah, it comes in at the 34-second mark. Um, It's like a bongo or maybe a djembe drum or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some strings do come in later. Of course. They can't seem to break away from the strings quite yet. No. But it's still the 60s, so, you know. <laughs> you know. Actually, um, this is 1970. Oh, I wrote 68. Hmm. hmm. Maybe you're right. 
I don't know. Um, this compilation. Oh, yeah, it's a, this compilation from 1968. 1968, allegedly. Secondhand song said 1970, so huh. yeah, fuck them. I don't know, man. Maybe there's a different version or something. Maybe. I mean, there's several live versions. I know Bruce Springsteen has a live version of this song. Yeah, from which 1975. Unfortunately, I couldn't, couldn't find a version on Spotify. No, there's only it's 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 like a bootleggy, like crappy version because it's. I don't think he recorded it ever. No. Um, but anyway, that dude barely liked recording songs he did, <laughs> let alone <laughs> covers. Um, then that's kind of like what they do with the with the arrangement like the the solo part it kind of sounds like a guitar solo but the piano's still going so it's more like a little like duet section where they both kind of interweave together and everything else cuts out so there's more focus on it um Mm -hmm. but other than that like it's mostly just a slower version got that slow singer songwriter quality to it but I feel yeah, and she's focusing more on the like getting away from sadness. I I kind of foreshadowed this. This uh, there's not a lot of joy in this version. Yeah, it's a little more like it, the original's so upbeat, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not even it's not necessarily that fast. Like the Jackson Five version speeds it up, but yeah. but but like we said, it kind of like keeps this positive edge to it. And this one is more like slow and. I almost said sour, but that's not correct. Yeah, dour, dour maybe. Sour? There's like an like an element of serenity Slower? to it. You know, it's like a you're not like upbeat happy, but you're right. Like but calm. you like you like got a breeze in your hair and you're feeling feeling good. Yeah, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not sad, but it's a little more melancholy. Yeah, bittersweet. Not really. Maybe. But I feel like this this kind of tone doesn't work with lines like uh the stars put on a show for free. Like that that line is like nothing but levity. Like that's such a like happy idea. And to, to have this sort of like and the stars put on a show for and it's free. And it's happy like me. Like me right now. I'm so happy. Yeah, it's more restrained. Um, yeah, which is a little less impactful at times, I would say. But yeah. there are, well, yeah, that's kind of what this version does. Mm. I don't really know much about Carol King generally. Well, you know, she, Carol she King has more the, songs. Uh, you know, known for her most popular song, "It's Too Late." Yeah. Oh, and uh, I, unless it's a cover, you make me feel like a natural woman. No, nothing for that. All right, Alex. Nope, nothing. Well, yeah, this is Carol King's version. A little softer, maybe not quite what we expect from this song, but I think she pulls off a pretty good performance of this. If you like Brill Building Pop, you're gonna like this. Let's move into the year 1972 to talk about Ike and Tina Turner. <laughs> about who run barter town yeah uh so these two are ranked number two on rolling stone's list of greatest duos of all time i only know tina turner from movies well she also does uh i believe the backing vocals on tonight by david bowie really yeah she also does the song private dancer i mean yeah i do know some of her songs 
But I also know two of her movies. That she yeah. Do anyway. you know she's ranked number two along with Ike at, on the Rolling Stones list of greatest duos of all time? I do now. Who's number one? Um, Bob Dylan and a guitar. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's uh, uh, That was a joke I had in the barrel. The, number one is the Everly Brothers. Wow. I actually was expecting Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, they make the list. They're number three. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you, tell you who doesn't make the list is Holland Oates. Hmm. Who's number 10? But the White Stripes make the list. Uh, really? Number 10 is... Daryl Hull and John Oates don't make the list, but the White no. Stripes do? The Carpenters come in at number 10. Okay. Anyway, we don't need to talk about this. Um, this no, is... we do, bro. Oh, do we? Steely Dan comes in at number 15. It's always weird to see... Like, I almost thought, oh, maybe they're, they they wouldn't put um hollow notes like on like dudes who have bands i don't know yeah because there's like a whole band there but like steely dan like yeah, they, they're on, more than just like a band they're just like anyone who is good enough like you know yeah i know alex do you know so this, this i know i fucking know it in my soul but you know what else i know it's that uh tina turner fucking i, I don't even think she's going hard on this but i think her voice just naturally goes hard yeah, this kind of like this is this version is like, like the more funky funkified version. Yeah, like this the is Jackson real Five funk. was like this okay. has some grit. Yeah, but now that it's like a couple years later, this one like hits it. Mm-hmm. Like that base, of, like the base of the beginning is like fuzzy, like it's it's wild. Yeah, very clearly electric bass. Like yeah. we're, we're we're moving forward in time here, nineteen seventy two, baby. And they got some brass too. Like you hear like some some trumpets play. They they must be muted, but they're getting that like kind of trumpet thing going yeah, on. Yeah, real sassy trumpets. Yeah, and like um some bone slides, mm-hmm. sliding some bones just all up in this song. And then yeah, Tina comes in. Yeah, just fucking just fucking ripping it. Yeah, doing their Tina Turner singing, singing like Tina Turner. It's pretty like yeah. gravelly, but like energetic. Yeah, yeah. Going. You know, it feels like she. I've I've written. I believe she lives in the city with this kind of performance. This feels like some urban performance because it. Sure. Yeah. Why not? More so than say Carol King. Right, where it's just like. Are you like on top of a barn somewhere? Like Yeah, it's it, whereas this one's like, know. listen, motherfucker, I'm out there on the streets. You know now how I'm I up deal there with that? Above the streets. I'm up on the roof, baby. And you just agree. Um mm-hmm. And she's also got a lot of like ad libbing and lyrical additions, like which can be dicey, but uh yeah, she just like throws in extra stuff. Like when she says people are just too much for me to face she like adds i have to get away like yeah stuff like that that's because this this version has an attitude alex it ha- yeah it does and there's like a bunch of extra lines like that yeah let me ask you this because the yeah. last 30 seconds is roughly ad-libbing her and her big like choral backup vocals um and she says that's tell your friends cats, to come back i believe okay tell your friends to come back later because i gotta find me a ripe tomato Yes, yes. What, I don't is know that like, what that means. 
I, I, I can only think it's either slang for weed or slang for dick. Hmm. Let's do some research. Hmm. Good looking woman? Uh, yeah, sure. A ginger who is sunburned. I'm on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, that's a, a crapshoot. Yeah. So, yeah, typing in just the straight line, tell your friends to come back later, they're going to find me a rape tomato. Just gives me stuff about growing tomatoes. Yeah, um, the only thing I can find is it, like, refers to an attractive woman. Possibly an attractive loose woman. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, so, maybe that's what it refers to? I don't know. I mean, I don't know who wrote that line. Yeah, hard to know. I think it but came it from Turner's heart. Yeah, that's all that matters. Well, the way she says it, because she's a tomato. Mm -hmm. Come back later, because I got to find me a ripe tomato. And it exactly. rhymes. It doesn't sound like it rhymes, it rhymes if you just read bad. it, but it rhymes. You got to trust me. Got to trust me. Yeah, so um, we've talked about her voice. We've talked about the, the horns. Yeah, talked I mean. About, we talked about the piano. Yeah. Uh, I didn't talk about the piano. It's Piano's like holding it down here. It's holding it down. It's doing like kind of rhythm, like chords. It's got that like spar sparse in that funky way, you know? Yeah. The way and that like does the, you funk. can pick up moments of it that are very much like the progression from the original, and you go, "Oh yeah, that's how you know for sure that this is up on the roof." That's a good. That's a good way to uh, you know bring it forward. Do a little bit of do a little bit of throwback. Um, there's also where there's like a really high brassy sound at one point mm. I, think, I don't know if it's just a trumpet or what but like it's like 50 like just about a minute in um it's like a really high-pitched uh brass sound wasn't sure exactly if it was just like a trumpet that was played really high oh yeah that yeah exactly it's like kind of squeaky i don't know what it is yeah, I couldn't tell you, Alex, but yeah, that is... But it's a brass. lot of good, like... Yeah, they make real good use of the instruments here to, like, layer the track. Mm-hmm. You got some funk guitar going with a little, like... Yeah, there's also, like... There's some real, like, wah guitar that comes yeah. in, like, probably right before this. That we were just... Like, the high-pitched thing. Uh, Yeah, it's just, like, a lot of, a lot of that. And, like... I mean, that bass at the very beginning just sounds like it's destroying some speakers like it's great <laughs> oh yeah and it keeps up that that rhythm like that little groove line for a lot of the track like i was listening to what was i listening to some gordon downey uh gordon downey's first solo album coke machine glow um mm. the the bass is very prominent on it even though it's it's not like funk or anything it's just like the bass is really heavy the way they mixed it um, mm -hmm. so I was playing it on some, like, smaller speakers, but it was on top of a tall shelf, like, or, like, stand thing, which was making it vibrate, and Will's Gundams were on it, and they were, like, vibrating, too, so every bass note was just, like, <laughs> it's like that, but, like, there's not Gundams around, is what I'm saying. Right. It's, like, shaking some speakers apart. Yeah. It's wild. It's gonna tear this whole motherfucker down. Yeah, I really like this version. I thought it was, uh, it was, like, what the jackson 5 version wanted to be yeah it kept up it didn't like lose the energy it kept that up it kept up the attitude 
or kind of added the attitude because the ones before this mm-hmm. really haven't had that in the way this one did. So way to go. Yeah. Thought it was great. With that, we're gonna move into the next version, which is uh James Taylor in nineteen seventy-nine. When this old world starts a getting me down and people are just too much for me to face. James Taylor. So do you know much James Taylor? I know he did that cover with Art Garfunkel of What a Wonderful World. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, I honestly, recently I heard a James Taylor song just like come up in a shuffled playlist. And I realized it was the voice from, I, maybe I realized this before, from Sailing to Philadelphia, which is mm. a Mark Knopfler song. Okay. That is like very cheesy and about um drawing a border. Um anyway, so I realized or re-realized that that was him. So that's where I know him from. I don't know any James Taylor other than that his name, like I've heard his name cuz he's Yeah. a prominent guitar player and like rock singer-songwriter. And he was married to Carly Simon for a while. Oh, shit, is he so vain? He might be. Damn. I feel like we've had this conversation before. This is ringing up. This is, I feel, I'm getting like a big deja vu. Maybe well, we should listen to the Wonderful World episode and see if we say the exact same shit. We probably uh, do. All right, so this is, uh, he was in the Carol King version, as we said. Um, mm-hmm. This is a live version. Yes. And I feel like for the way he does the intro, the crowd is like way too excited. <laughs> Yeah, simmer down, guys. Like, he plays like three he, like, random notes. Like, notes. Oh, fuck yeah! So, so yeah, I guess that's the question, Alex. Do you think they thought he was gonna play this? That's what I would like to know as well. Because <laughs> like, has he recorded it otherwise? Would they have re- recognized the Carol King version? Because it doesn't sound that similar. No. Like, what's going on on stage? Maybe this is the very first song. I feel like it's not a great way to start a concert, but whatever. No, that's a weird way to start a concert. Hang on. I gotta... I'm gonna just chuck on Fire and Rain. I mean, it is acoustic guitar, but it's not quite the same. But I feel like... Like, listen to it. If you can listen to Fire and Rain, it's kind of (laughs) close. Honestly... All of his songs start exactly the same. Start with like guitar picking. So every so- every time he starts picking guitar, they're just like, "All right, we know what's happening. It's a James Taylor song. Great, that's yeah, what we're here for." I would for. love to like get a just like a capture of everybody's minds at that moment and see what song they thought what was song playing. They thought, and then they're like, "What the fuck is this? This world, yeah. When the world starts getting me down, um, and then of course." He starts to sing um, the lyrics of the song. He has kind of like a soft, high voice. Like, it's very gentle and, like, smooth. Um, It's like when people say adult contemporary, it's like, this is is what you picture. Definitely. Um, And, I mean, coming straight off the Ike and Tina Turner version, you... Definitely loses a lot of that edge. But we're in the 90s now. This is like early 90s. So 
Really? I got 79 for this. Fuck. Uh, maybe I've got the... I just looked at the album date. That I was lazy. Okay. I was lazy. Okay, so never mind. Re- you're, you're right. Cause J- yeah, but the first version he did of this was fucking 1979. So That's they're... me fucking up. So this is 93. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> Fuck, I lost my train of thought. It's like soft rock, man. So we like yeah. uh slowly things build into this. Um it's a very yeah, like you said, he's got this soft high voice. It's a little more upbeat than Carol King's it, while still holding that sort of tender vibe. Yeah, it kind of gets more upbeat, particularly like in the second verse. It it gets a little more lively and the guitar mm-hmm. strumming is a little more staccato and then the piano chords are more frequent. Like, yeah, they bring know, in, I more, think, a second yeah. guitar on that second verse. Yeah, and they kind of like things happen faster. So it, it it's like a bit more lively. It's not a ton more lively. Mm-hmm. Um, the instrumental section, which is like 148-ish, um, sounds like there's just like a million guitars at that point. Yeah, um, and like big synth energy. And yeah. also... When he when at one forty eight he says up on my roof. He owns the roof. He's a he's a he's a landlord now. He's just trying to get people on his roof. Oh, fucking James Taylor. He's like, yeah, come up on my roof. It's just a thousand a month. <laughs> Plus utilities. <laughs> and I mean, but like, yeah, so it it gets into this like. And I feel like that is, like, I guess this is 93, but it's probably there on his 1979 version, where it's, like, again, soft rock synth. It's like... Or, like, yeah, as much as it could be. Oh, hang on. Typos. Um, And it kind of, other than that, like, it kind of goes between, like, it drops down a bit to the beginning stuff and then livens up again. Like, it has those two kind of sections yeah two ways of doing things saves up that instrumental break to do again at the end yeah and then he starts to throw in some like new lyrics i didn't understand everything though he says look at the city baby i heard drop what you or different part drop what you're doing tonight and climb up the stairs in the something Oh, hang on. Yeah, I've got the job. What you're doing at night, climb up the stairs with me and see, babe. We got the stars up above us and the and city see, lights babe. below. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then he says no 11 times. <laughs> Classic James Taylor move. Classic James Taylor move. Maybe? Maybe. Maybe? Let's say it is. James Taylor always saying no. What a guy who says no 11 I times know, right? in a row. That's, that's something we all know about James Taylor. That's, yeah, that's why they call him James No Taylor. James No Taylor. James Taylor. Uh, and then they do like yeah. A, wait, what? Three oh seven. That's where he does like his big like 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 action. It's like you gotta clap on up, you get it on, on up, shimmy on up now, baby. Yeah, lots of like ad libbing. We need to energize the end of the song. And it's kind of weird because it's not like that energetic. And then he starts to like shout out these ad libs at the end. Yeah. So it really builds there, uh, especially compared to the Carol King version. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, definitely like his voice, kind of, for me anyway, makes it just feel like a lot smoother and takes away some of that edge. 
Yeah, yeah. It like again, like it's very fine, much this working class, like in the middle of New York song. Like this song is tied to the city, and it's tied to like the everyman. And the one calling it your roof destroys that. And two, yeah, just his performance is it doesn't really play to that spirit. Yeah, it just makes it so like sweet. Which mm-hmm. maybe in 1993 that was what we wanted. But yeah, I don't know. It's a bit, it's a bit much, a bit not enough, much. too yeah, much, not enough, something like that. He's in all the wrong places at the wrong time. Like, like you said, like most of the song is very like similar to Carol King's sort of this down low tender vibe. But then it's almost like halfway making through making it. He's like, oh, yeah, the, actually, the original is very upbeat. And the roof's supposed to be a happy place. Should we fit that in? And yeah. then so they do that. It's like, and it's just. And then he says like, no 11 times. Right. Yeah. That's important. I've decided. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Yeah, he does say no a lot. Do you think that's no, like the word no, or is he just like the same way that, you know, you can just, it's just like vocalization? Well, I'm trying to remember what he says before that, because I think um, I just it's related. It. Got the stars up above us, and the city lights below. No, 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 no. Up on my roof. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really tie in with the line. It's kind of, no, it doesn't know a lot. No, no, no. So, yeah, this no, is like no, a. No. A weird soft rock version that doesn't really hit the mark, I think. Yeah. Speaking of versions I also don't think hit the mark, uh, Neil Diamond in 1993. When the soul world starts getting me down And people are just too much for me to face Neil Diamond, another guy who's another- been around for a long time. Yeah, and another Brill Building era songwriter. Was he, he was actually writing in the Brill Building? Yeah, so if you uh, hit his Spotify about page, that's like one of the first facts. Look at that. Yeah. It's all, it's all coming together, baby. Tin Pan Alley. Yeah, but this one's a much bigger arrangement than most of the other ones. Yeah, it's uh, fucking massive. We start out with like a synthy sounding orchestra. Yeah. This one, yeah, this one's got like the full orchestra thing going on. There's brass, there's strings, it's got everything. Mm-hmm. So like Neil Diamond picked up on that this was a happy song, but I think missed out on like the intimacy of it. Yeah, this does not like... this one does not have intimacy. This is just like this is a Neil Diamond song. Yeah, this is like, some I, I Caroline shit. <laughs> he does it in like the Neil Diamond style, which I guess is good. Um but yeah, does does miss out on some of those subtleties. But he it does get kind of the upbeat side of it, which is missed yeah. by some of the other ones. Although what's kind of interesting is that like he has these big like orchestral swells and then he'll go into a verse, which is still mostly just like guitar, at least at the start. It's like it kind of it kind of brings it down. Yeah, the first time, like it's kind of like, but there's still that sort of like orchestral texture. Like a lot of the times, they just play in the background, so it's not the focus, but still kind of there, just like creating that that sound. Right. 
so that when you get the big swell again, there's evidence of those instruments there. You're like, yeah. okay, yeah, it makes sense for these to get loud now. They were there before. Yeah. So this is the more like the, I don't know, I can show you the world version of like, right. it's kind of dreamy. Like around 210, he literally says, look at those stars! And then he does that kind of stuff. <laughs> look at so those yeah, stars. 207. Look at those stars! There's something almost Broadway about it. Yeah, because he's, he's an actor as well, so I think he's kind of got that, like, theatrical side mm-hmm. some of the times. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the, that's, that's how this one works. Like it kind of does a build and I don't know. Yeah. Like your verses are like guitar arpeggio, um, and very, very standard bass and drums going on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, it's still, I think a little slower than the original, but like kind of keeps some of that. It it certainly has an energy to it. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of the just like massive arrangement. Yeah, like a just bizarrely large arrangement. And and I mean Neil Diamond is a pretty good voice too. Um But like yeah, like we said, like kind of on the theatrical side. Mm-hmm. It's a very theatrical performance. But I think he managed to capture that big energy, which is good, but the way he captures it is not really, I feel like, in line with what is so captivating about this song. Yeah, and I don't think it really breaks away from Neil Diamond doing a cover of a song as Neil Diamond. Yeah, it's really just like, I am Neil Diamond. Would you ever wonder what it would be like if I was doing this one instead? Be like this? Yeah, here you go. Oh, okay. Cool. Like, the 10-second song guy could probably knock out this same version of Neil Diamond doing Up on the Roof. <laughs> probably. I mean, it does have that air to it. Like, it's nothing really surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, what might surprise people is the next song, which is Boys Two Men in 2017. Ooh, I thought there was another one in between. Is there? Uh, there was oh, a shit, YouTube link. Did I give you a YouTube one this week? You Fuck. certainly did. I can uh, I can briefly touch upon it. Uh, do you want to cut Which, that one out or? I just forgot about. It. Is that the who who is it's it? It's Ray Brown Jr. Ray Brown Jr. and Oh right with the uh, fucking Sophie. God damn it, with Sophie B. Hawkins. Sophie B. Hawkins. Yeah. When this old world starts getting me down, people are just too. They do a little. God, I was so excited about this one too. It's clearly <laughs> been a rough week for me. Yeah, that what happens, man. Don't don't sweat it too much. What is the name of this? I will not. Um, I will listen to it as you talk about it. So yeah, Ray Brown Jr., uh, adopted son of Ray Brown and Ella Fitzgerald. He was the son of I think Ella Fitzgerald's like half sister or something like that. He's a jazz and blues singer. He does this song. Sophie B. Hawkins, she has uh, some hits. I really only know her from Community. There's one episode where they do a Sophie B. Hawkins dance. Um, yeah, she does that one. Damn, I was your lover. Yes, according to Wikipedia, her she has the hits Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover, Right Beside You, and As I Lay Me Down. I lay me down. And those second two songs both sound like direct references to Astral Weeks. Um, because there's a song on Astral Weeks 
called Beside You, and there's also a lyric in Astral Weeks where he says, Lay me down, easy to be born again. Um, I don't know. They both reminded me of that. And this one's fun because they start like it's like a conversation between the two of them. Like they start talking and they're like, Hey Ray, I just want to go somewhere a little different tonight. He's like, Oh, let me think about it. Oh, I think I know what I'm gonna do. And like then starts singing the song. But she joins in almost immediately. So it's like she knows. She knows about the roof already. Right. Um maybe maybe this is just like a little game. Sorry? She comes in at the 42nd mark to sing. Yeah, and like, like joins in like immediately. He's like, I'm going on the roof. And she's like, yeah, I, no, not even. She's just like, the roof. You know, they're both talking mm-hmm. about the roof. Um, and then, and this one, it's this is kind of like the two singer-songwriters thing because there's a guitar and piano. Right. Um, I'm assuming it's that's what they're playing. also a bass on this too. Yes, there's some more instrumentation, but like it's, I would expect that in like the singer songwriter realm sometimes at least, um, mm-hmm. and it's just it's a very like bluesy version. There's a lot of yeah. there's just a lot of like guitar licks and stuff like that, and kind of like jazzy chords um, gives it. It definitely feels different from from the original for that reason because it's kind of done in that style. Yeah, really slowed down too. Yes, and it's very like they kind of keep the conversation going. Like Sophie sings about like it won't bother me. She says the won't bother me line and then says like, "Oh Ray, it won't bother you either." Like throws that in. <laughs> uh but she says it so fast it almost sounds like, "Oh shit. It's not just me." She's like forgot to say it. I don't know. <laughs> um but yeah, it's really got the like dun, 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 dun. slow. It's slow, uh, but I don't know. This version, this version's kind of fun. It's like kind of overblown and like cheesy, in a way, just because they're doing that like conversational style. Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's like charming as well because it's so yeah. Because like, they buy into it throughout the whole piece yeah like absolutely. a lot of the songs will just do it at the start and then fuck it we're doing the song yeah but they as just keep each it one of them is singing the other one will do like mm, oh yeah <laughs> like yeah like and contribute <laughs> and there's so much of the like um another like bluesy kind of thing they do is the like like repeating lines and stuff and like this would be like i mm-hmm. wish i'm gonna make it and then like oh, i'm gonna make it like right like that kind of stuff, and then the guitar solo is like very bluesy. Like it's just really lots of like bluesy stuff, and I don't know. It's it's uh it's quite entertaining. I enjoy yeah. it. I like I'm listening to it right now. It's it's very oddly charming. <laughs> yeah. And it's like because the original song is like an invitation. Is is the twist of it? You might say is that he's inviting you up onto the roof with him. right. And so to to pull on that and just make the song the whole conversation with these two people, it's, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the blues, kind of like bluesy, jazzy style, I think adds something to it because it it's a feeling we haven't really had in any of the other versions. Like we've had funk a couple times, but this yeah. one really takes that like kind of lounge room jazz, and it also feels very personal compared like 
probably mostly because of the conversation, but and like the singer songwriter style, like putting those two things together just make it feel very like intimate. Yeah. Plus, you got Ray Brown Jr. on the cover here, a double fist in some kind of booze. Double fist in, I don't know what kind of glasses those are. I mean, you're not putting soft drinks in those glasses, I'll tell you that. Nope. I, I think it's meant to be him offering you one, but it definitely just looks like he's getting <laughs> shit faced in front fisting. of a piano. <laughs> he's handing it to Sophie P. Hawkins because they're drinking. Because yeah, they're friends and family. Yeah. Um. The third, and the, they, they really get, like, kind of the ad-libbing kind of ramps up as they go. There's, like, quite a bit to the end. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the Big Dipper later on. Like, when they're talking about the stars, it's like, can't you see that Big Dipper? Go, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. And she really sells that line, too. Can't you see the Big yeah. Dipper now? Yeah, they fucking go in this song, man. Yeah, dude. Anyway, good time. Good time. Like if it was just one of them, this would kind of fall into the same trap that Carol King falls into, where it's maybe just a little too down tempo. Right. But with the two of them there, they seem to play off of each other and find the fun that is like inherent in the original version and bring that out even in this sort of slower, softer version. Yeah. Yeah. And I think of the like some of the quicker guitar licks and stuff help with that and sort of the way the piano yeah, sounds. Some of like, the like yeah, the piano, because you got that steady kind of chorus and beat stuff, but then they do like little little riffs and and jingles here throughout. Yeah. So it's a good time. Yeah, I'm upset that I didn't look at this one more because <laughs> that one's definitely worth looking at. Yeah, I almost I don't even know. Like I almost forgot. I do not know why I like checked our chat. Because normally I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I like very nearly also forgot done. this one. I knew it in my soul. No, I think it's because you were talking about we were talking about Sophie B. Hawkins. Honestly, like, she's not here anymore. Where, where is she? Oh yeah, where is she? Here she is, um, right on YouTube. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone there in between. Um, with that, we're actually going to talk about Boys now, to Men Boys in 2017. talked about these guys before on our uh time way after back. time episode way back way back they did a pretty good version of time after time mm-hmm. and this and here they've also done a pretty good version of uh up on the roof yeah this one's i found this a little less interesting this one is the closest to the original version we're going to talk about today oh yeah um because it's basically the original version but like more of like a modern polished version yeah with boys to men vocals which with boys to men a, vocals. an acapella group essentially they're not yeah they're like a list i mean there are instruments on this track it's yes not an acapella version but they are yeah they're like a s- singing group like they're there's three of them on the cover of the album i think they've had a, a sort of a rotating membership over the years this is actually their most recent album from 2017 okay. um and so I don't know what version of Boys to Men this is. I didn't actually look up their <laughs> What's the, membership. The Although, interestingly enough, kind of like the Drifters, who had 
kind of a rotating membership as well. Yeah, who had a... Like 40 members. They technically still do. They're apparently still in operation, the Drifters. Wow. I don't know what to make of that. Um, It kind of goes against my idea of, like, a band, but it's Mm -hmm. fine. Like, it's more like a project? No. I don't know. Yeah, it's more like a... It's more. It's it's like the London Symphony Orchestra. Like, it doesn't matter who's in it. It's, yeah, it's the like London Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. So, anyway. Boys to Men, I think is less of that, but they still have had several, like, membership changes over the years. Um, right. What? There's only three members listed here? Oh, past members? Okay, there have only been five guys in the group total, and there's three right now. So, I'm totally oh, overblowing this... <laughs> Uh, enough, rotating Alex. membership but anyway um they don't have a xylophone it's just like piano and guitar sounds a lot yeah. like the original the da, 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 da. yeah it's very clear that the instrumental track on this is pretty much meant to mirror the original as closely as possible yeah absolutely um and the there's like ooh sounds under everything like I mm-hmm. think they trade off lead vocals a couple times, but there's always like backups because I mean it's three vocalists. They're not also playing instruments or anything. They're always going. Yeah, you got to earn your your credit on the track. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, very, very close to the original, and but they have more of like, kind of like like they do more like vocal runs and like showy stuff. Yeah. Apparently, like, according to their Spotify, that's kind of, like, their thing. Which, I mean, they're pretty good at it. Yeah. Like, they do a solid version. It's a little less... I found it not terribly interesting because it's quite close to the original. But, like, it's it's a decent cover. They're clearly, you know, do the vocals well. Um, yeah, they're clearly proficient singers. They put in an acceptable performance of this. It's not mind-blowing. It doesn't really change much of anything but at the end of this playlist where a lot of them i feel kind of missed sort of the upbeatness of this song which is kind of one of the reasons we're talking about it right these guys were like well it's the original but we're singing it so it sounds upbeat yeah i'm i mean i'm usually like we've done songs where that's all of them (laughs) but this is the first Mm -hmm. one today although the other ones were kind of more following the carol king uh strain We'll say. Yeah. Yeah, they were, Alex. Yeah. Um, anyway. Anything else to say about this one? Not really. I mean, there's not too much new to say other than it's very similar to the original. Very similar to the original. With that, we're going to get into our final verdicts. we got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the version you're most likely to accept the invitation up onto the roof from. The up on the roofinest version, if you need a a different title for that. Alex, what is the worst version of this? What is the worst version of this song? Hmm. Hmm. I think I'm going to give it to the Jackson 5 because I I generally like the style, but it was kind of disappointing more than anything. Mm. I, I... as much as I didn't really like the James Taylor version as well, I didn't really expect to. So it didn't really make that much of an impact, but I was just kind of disappointed by the Jackson 5 version. So Yeah, you know how good the Jackson 5 can be. So when yeah. you hear something that isn't that good, you're like, well, oh, it's more guys. of a disappointment. 
shouldn't have released this one, which they didn't want to by the sounds of it. So maybe (laughs) that was a good idea. Mm -hmm. Coming into this, I was originally going to give it to Neil Diamond. But then as we talked about it, I realized the James Taylor version was worse than Neil Diamond's version. Just because it like it was it it was at odds with itself in some of its musical structure, and I think it didn't make for a very pleasing version. And the Jackson Five version was bad, and like like you said, maybe it should never have been released. But you know, also they didn't release it until 2012, when somebody was like, "Yeah, we can make a couple bucks off this." And I'm sure so, they you know, did. I mean, we've listened to it a couple times, so get those sweet sweet streaming scents. Oh my god, yeah, they've got at least 10 cents from us, those bastards. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna give it to James Taylor, because it just was, it was four fucking minutes, at least Jackson <laughs> 5 is in and out. That's true, that is very true. And, yeah, and it was just kind of inconsistent in what it was giving me, and then what it did give me in either tone was, yeah, not that great, so yeah, fuck you, James Taylor. <laughs> Alex, Indeed. the best version of this. Um, I think my favorite was Ray Brown Jr. featuring Sophie B. Hawkins. Or, I mean, it was a duet, really. It was equally both of their songs. Mm-hmm. But it's listed as Ray Brown Jr. on YouTube. Anyway, I th- think that was my favorite version. It, uh, I mean, we said a lot about it. It really infuses it with that, like, bluesiness. You get some kind of more seventh-type chords. Um and it's we said it was earnest it is that they really sell the like conversation and it's like silly but in a fun way so enjoyed it yeah i mean i like did not listen to it as much as i would have for a regular <laughs> a regular broadcast here and you know usually i'd listen to it beforehand but it was the one that struck me the most as like like hitting what the mark that it had set for itself it's like yeah, we're like- going to do this goof- goofy conversation segment we're going to do it in a sort of bluesy, jazzy style, and those things are going to work together, goddammit, and they they did that. Yeah, like, it changed it up enough, but it also, like, they had their own thing, and, like, they changed the styling, and it just kind of, like, worked together, and it was good. I also really liked the I Can Tina Turner version, though. Yeah, me too. That was awesome. As far as, like, a better funky version goes. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, Alex, who's, whose invitation are you accepting to the roof? Whose invitation am I accepting to the roof? Hmm. Hmm. I feel like I had something for this, but I've forgotten it. Okay, well, for me, I'm going to take Ike and Tina Turner's, because i got to figure out what's going on with this tomato situation. Oh, <laughs> uh, I would like you to let me let me know. About the tomato, because I would love to know what's going on with the tomato. Well, you'll have to come back later. Like, I'm allowed up with Tina Turner. Okay. She's going to find the ripe tomato, and then... Find the ripe tomato. I'll come back later. uh, Fine. Yeah. All right. Okay. In the meantime... In the meantime, I'll be with... I'll be with the original Drifters, because there's like 40 of them. That's that's party, man. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, I like to go up to the roof to be alone. (laughs) You go up there with fucking 40 guys. Yeah. All right. Hey, guys. (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) Real real nice solitude feeling here. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. The Drifters do make a great sales pitch for the roof, so I'll accept that. 
Um, that's been our final verdict. If you have a similar opinion, different opinion, or want to talk about a cover version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at JakeTheCressy, at some Alex Wise guy. I'll respond to you. Alex won't. Um, yeah, sometimes I consider responding to things and then just don't do it. It's good. All you do then is give them a little heart. Yeah, heart. I should do that. And then they're like, oh, so I'm like, I have something to say about this. I'm like, uh, who cares? <laughs> I don't know if that's a good attitude. It doesn't sound like it, but anyway. It's the bad attitude, Alex. Sounds Get like, an sounds attitude like a adjustment. Attitude. I'll adjust it. Um, if you have questions for us, attitude covermepod at gmail.com. Covermepod at gmail.com. Comments, questions, concerns, hit them up. Hit us up. Hit them. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. Um, and with that, it's time for a bonus segment in which I ask Alex a question. Alex! In the in the song up on the roof, the roof is uh, is is give is provided as a place of solitude for an individual to go to when they're feeling stressed out. Alex, what what's your metaphorical roof? Metaphorical roof. Yeah, um, where do you go when this old world's got got you feeling down? Well, lately I've been mostly trying. You trying to get into that like like meditative state and just like relax yourself. And I found the mm. best place to do that is like in the bath. In the bath. Yeah, I didn't take baths for many years, and then because I have like tight muscle problems, that it was recommended to me by like various specialists, and I was like, "All right, I'll take a bath, whatever." And it turns out it's pretty nice. Nice. Um, so I found that's a good place because you're kind of floating there, and you can just like. Do you know? Do the do your like relaxation exercises? Yeah, it is like a a space. You know, you live with other people. Yeah. It's like if there's any place that nobody can really bother you, it's the bathroom, it's baby. The bathroom, exactly. Um, it might do some yoga as well. It's more about a a, a mental space, I think. Mm. A lot of the time, rather than a, a change in latitude, it's a change in attitude. Hey, how about that? Hey. What about you? Do you have a rooftop? I um do not. We have like I don't even have a balcony here. Most apartments you get usually have a balcony, but our balcony is the front door. So okay, it's like, it's like a shared oh, balcony because there's like a central area with like a yeah okay. So I've seen some people sitting in. We have a like a little garden section too, where people rent out gardening plots and you know plant kale and shit in there. I've seen some people use that space. I haven't done that yet. Um, honestly, usually it's either the bathroom or I just stare out my big ass bedroom window here. It's not, that's, that kind of gives you that isolated feel, like isolated in the city feeling too. Like being, even if you're not on the rooftop, like you're above, cause you're a, how many floors up are you? I'm on the fourth floor, fourth baby. Floor. Yeah. You're a couple floors up. You can like look down on the streets. So even yeah. the, the air might not be as fresh and sweet. But you can still kind of feel like you're like people watching. And I've done that, too, because I have a pretty big window in my room. And like mm-hmm. not a lot of people walk by, but sometimes, you know, you look out and people driving by or walking by and you just have that kind of like. Like, you know what God feels like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Looking down. And yeah, everything. you're just like you see people and you don't necessarily need to like emotionally attach to them or have to like worry about how you're presenting yourself because mm. you're not there. You're just like seeing life happen. Yeah. Free of judgment. Free of judgment. Yeah, and it is like very calming and soothing. So yeah. that's something 
I like to do. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's our hashtag secret places. Um, if y'all want to tell us about your secret place, hashtag my secret place. And you can, because that was the original title for this song. Hey, see what I did there, people? Ah, yeah, it's, it's all nice. ties together. Tying it up. Callback. That is a callback, baby. Hit us up again on Twitter. Do the thing. You know how this works if you've listened this far. And then you can say, oh, hey, guys. Because this is what I go. I go into the basement and hang out there or something. We won't make fun I of go, you, though. Yeah, we'll make fun of you or something. We we'll might say, make like, fun I of go you. under the boardwalk. And we'll say, hey, that's a drifter song. And they're like, yeah, I know. That's why I said it. And I'm like, oh, you old scamp. Anyway. <laughs> As we always say on Cover Me, that's the end of the episode. As we always say on Cover Me, um, when I come home feeling tired and beat, I listen to Cover Me because it's fresh and sweet. <laughs> <laughs>